and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Uh, my broccoli was ready yesterday. <laughs> ready for oh. what? Picking. Oh, boy. I grew broccoli. Did and I picked it. How did you know it was ready? Did it tell you, hey, hey, pick me. I'm ready. Okay, you joke, but this is like a great question. <laughs> I don't know how big, like... So you know how big they look in the grocery store well, when they're cut up? Well, the no, like guys. a whole head. Uh-huh. Yeah. But like, I don't know how big I can expect that broccoli that I'm growing to get, right? So I assume there's a point where I know it's ready. I don't, but I didn't want to pick it too early because like, what if it keeps getting bigger? But you've accepted now that it's ready. Well, here, here was my clue. A couple of the teeny little green things started to look a teeny bit yellow. So mm. I was worried that it was about to... Uh, my broccolini bolted. It all flowered. Oh, my gosh. So my broccolini plant is gorgeous. It has these beautiful yellow flowers all over it. <laughs> but, but that's not good for eating. No, that's not, that's not foods. No, it's still growing new little sprouts of broccolini that I can grab off of it, though. So I, I'm letting it go. The top part is beautiful, and the bottom parts are still edible. <laughs> I like the plants do that. Like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm edible, I'm beautiful, don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs> they do, the, the herbs will do that too. Now you can eat them, like, it's just bitter. But, you know, I, I, don't, I have a bit of a palate for bitter, so as long as they're not all flowered, like if there are a couple flowers on there, I'll just chop it all up, mm-hmm. throw it in a salad. But, <laughs> but anyway, I picked my broccoli and I showed Charlie and Cooper... And they were like, can we hold it? And I'm like, it's a head of broccoli. <laughs> like, this is not exciting. Okay, sure. So Charlie's hold holding it? it and she's like, wow, <laughs> you grew this. I'm like, yep. And then Cooper takes it and just takes a giant bite out of it. Right. And it's like, yes. And just proceeds to walk. They're playing on the playground. Just walk around the playground eating a head of broccoli. And like, I had kind of intended to bring it in and chop it up and I don't know cook it or just serve it nope but no she ate most just walked around eating a fresh head of raw broccoli which is great i mean that's great but she's like going down the slide holding a whole head of broccoli (laughs) taking bites off of it (laughs) was it washed (laughs) no i had just picked it well you get some of that good natural bacteria (laughs) biome of the the area (laughs) a little bit of anthrax a little bit of, <laughs> you know, your your children held up a big head of broccoli and said, "Wow, you grew this." Have you ever told them like, "I also grew you"? <laughs> oh, they don't I've, ever. I've grown far bigger things than this head of broccoli. They don't ever seem as impressed by that. Like I made you, I grew you in me. But you also grew that big head of broccoli. I grew so. that broccoli. So that's right now, your your sibling that broccoli that you just ate. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> they're way more excited about the snap peas. They go out and check every morning to see if there are some. Like I'll never, I will never collect enough to like make them for dinner because as soon as one is ripe, one of them picks them and eats them, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like they're eating vegetables. I don't care. Whatever. But <laughs> I always enjoyed last year you grew those tiny little snacky peppers, those little yeah. teeny red ones. And I was with you a few times when you would pick them. And Cooper specifically would help pick them, but then just eat them the whole time she was picking them. So like mm-hmm. she'd pick like a dozen, but then end up bringing in like two. 
just eat them all time. I have. I'm growing two more snacky pepper plants this so year. Good. They they yielded so many. I only grew two. Mm-hmm. I've got some. I got some jalapenos growing. I've got some regular old bells. This is no longer still buffering. This is still, still gardening. Still gardening. Sydney's plant corner. A bad cereal podcast. A bad cereal podcast. Decent gardening podcast. <laughs> I just I maybe just, a culture podcast. It, <laughs> it just makes me happy. I like to eat things. Me too. Outside. Oh, I don't know. Well, I also like. I've, to eat been, I've, I've also been. All these plants have all these leaves on them. Taylor, I feel like this is your area. This is this feels like a vegan thing. All these plants that I'm growing have all these leaves, and I feel like some of the leaves must be editable. Editable. <laughs> editable. I don't know. That's that's a, a person that knows about plants thing. That's not a vegan thing. Have you met a, a, a functional <laughs> vegan? I tell you, you're a vegan. You should know which leaves are edible and can, which aren't. No. Can I eat the broccoli leaves? I don't know. Try. Probably. See, the, see how it goes. Sometimes aren't there leaves on the ones you get in the store? Yeah. yeah. You can actually eat them. broccoli and broccolini leaves. I think that, they're, again, like the bitterness is the thing. So it's like a lot of greens. If you are you can cook them greens, if you want greens to. Greens and nothing but I mean, greens. Just, just to clarify, bagels and Oreos are also vegan. Some of us live like monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I live like that and I'm not even vegan. Or maybe you are. <laughs> That's just my choice. <laughs> I still love the conversation we had. Cooper told us she wanted to be a vegetarian. And Charlie goes, you can't ever have chicken nuggets. And she said, why? Oh, no. Because <laughs> they're made out of chicken. She went, oh. And she said, and you can never have shrimp. And you can never have hot dogs. And you can never have hamburgers. And Cooper said, okay, I don't want to be a vegetarian. I want a hamburger now. <laughs> well, I will say that the uh, the the impossible nuggets... Um, I feel like chicken nuggets are so far removed from a natural food mm-hmm. of any kind that the impossible ones really are quite similar. <laughs> we have started buying those at the grocery store and serving them to the girls. They haven't caught on yet. Oh. I had a vegetarian roommate. And I really enjoyed the, uh, the brand she would get. They called their chicken nuggets like chicken nuggets. Like oh, it yeah. was like C-H-I-K apostrophe N. I didn't eat them, so I don't know how they tasted, but I did enjoy seeing them in the freezer. <laughs> KFC has some sort of I don't know what brand of fake chicken but some sort of fake chicken nuggets now and um, the only and they're they're good like they're good you wouldn't you know they taste like chicken it's whatever but um, they're square which is strange hmm chickens don't come in that shape they can make it any shape yeah well you could do any shape like dinosaurs (laughs) stars yeah like McDonald's has four shapes of chicken nugget boot Bell, ball. I don't remember. What's the fourth one? That sounds like some sort of astrology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, chicken I, nugget are you? Really more yeah. of a bell myself. I feel like my favorite brand of fake, not to eat, but just the whatever went into the packaging design of fake chicken nugget. Have you all seen Simulate? No. no. <laughs> it's it's Simulate chicken, and then in just big red letters it says nugs. Just N-U-G-G-S. And the image on the front is a human hand feeding a chicken nugget to a chicken. I I feel like this is one of those, like, we we gave an AI some information and asked them to design us an invitation (laughs) chicken nugget box. (laughs) Well, 
Why uh, would is that just to prove there's no chicken in it? I I don't know. Um, you look at it, go well. Here are your two options: this is cannibalism, or this is a chicken eating some plant-based fake chicken meat. One of them's one of them's true, and it's the second one by our fake chicken nuggets. Like, don't worry, the chicken's cool with it because we told the chicken, "Don't worry, this isn't your mom. This is fake." Like, I think if you made a human cadaver out of impossible meat, I still wouldn't be like, "Yum yum." Yeah. No. No, I hate that. <laughs> I to be don't... fair, at least if the chicken was eating a nug, it wouldn't look like a chicken. That's true. The chicken that the chicken doesn't know. It doesn't know what a nugget is. It doesn't have nuggets. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we can all agree that the chicken is not going to know either way. Like, that, the, the, the chicken is not going to be aware. What are you trying to say? But you that, know like, Sid, for us, I don't think we can agree without input from the chicken. Okay? I, all I'm saying is that regardless of whether or not the chicken knows, it's wrong. We can all agree on that, right? Like, we shouldn't feed chicken nuggets to the chicken. Even if they're fake chicken nuggets, it's still they're... concerning. Like, it's concerning to me as a human, even if I can accept that the chicken probably doesn't know. You know, uh, this is not still veganing podcast, but if you ever want more disconcerting information about how likely we are to feed animal byproducts to the animals of which those are byproducts, I got some information on factory farming for you. <laughs> no, no, I know. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if the animals don't know, I think we can all agree it's wrong. Yes. That that was my point. Like, that's, that's also not how you good. get zombies. I'm fairly certain scientifically that checks out, right? Yeah. No, well, start I, there's, with <laughs> there's lots of research on that. Yeah, you you, you feed an you feed an animal its own flesh, it turns into a zombie. That's just science. I have no segue. <laughs> Adi <to> Franco. <laughs> there we go. We went too far in one direction. We did. We did go too far there. That was um. Uh. Yeah, cannibalism is too far. There's the line. Anyway. Anyways. Taylor, you chose Ani DeFranco to talk about this week. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, specifically, um, n- her 1995 album, uh, Not a Pretty Girl, which was the first one that I ever listened to. And there were other ones that I enjoyed, but I think it was the one that kind of made an initial impact on me the strongest. Um, and uh, I think I first listened to it back in high school, and it was... Uh, Sort of one of those albums I kept to myself because I was introduced to Annie DeFranco as being like a, a, a gay musician by kids in my art class, and uh, she's she's bisexual. That's fine, but it's just fun. It, you know, this was like this was early two thousands. It still kind of felt like like contraband to be listening to to gay music. Hmm. I was introduced to Annie DeFranco by our cousin Joe. Oh, really? Yeah. Honestly, most of the music, especially like the at the time that that sort of what people called like angry girl music, although they weren't angry, but that was how it was sort of categorized. Mm -hmm. But all the like what I would say, like maybe powerful women music. (laughs) Um, I Joe was usually the one (laughs) who played it for me first and was like, I think you will like this. I don't know what vibes I was sending off that he was like, Ani DeFranco. <laughs> but uh, but I remember like immediately liking that it was, um, we've talked about this before on the show, like it didn't feel produced or 
polished, you know? Well, and that's that's a pretty fair read because uh, she was she made her own record label and like mm. published all of her own albums. <laughs> like self-published? Can you do that with albums? I guess you can. Anita Franco did it. But oh, I didn't know I didn't that. Yeah, that. Righteous Babe is her creation. Um, I mean, her, her as like a self-starter is really impressive. Like she was uh, emancipated from her parents at, like 15. And I mean, she has put out, I don't know what, like 30 albums at this point. But they were all like self-produced uh, through Righteous Babe. Wow. I, see, I had no idea, but I, I mean, and I always enjoyed that with music that sounded a little more raw, a little like, I don't know, a little more. It's not always live, but you feel like there's some element to it of like, I'm hearing it played in the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some sometimes and, and nothing against like I can enjoy some really like I would say we talked about Harry Styles recently. Mm-hmm. That music is very produced, yes. very polished. You don't, very... You don't think all Harry Styles is in his basement with a, a no. guitar and a synthesizer. <laughs> and I can and I can appreciate that too. Like that is what it is. And I you can imagine it's kinda like with watching like a really well made T V show or movie, you're aware of the fact that they may have shot this scene thirty different times and you're seeing bits and pieces of different moments mm-hmm. put together into the best version. And some music sort of sounds that way. Like maybe you're hearing the best amalgam of all these different tracks or whatever. And with music like Ani DeFranco, I never get that vibe. It feels like you are playing this song in this moment and in history and time. And I am hearing it. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, which I like. I was looking because um, I thought I had listened to one somehow on accident that was uh, live. And I did. Um, just shuffling through. It wasn't from this album. Um, I don't believe, but I was just shuffling through some of her most popular music after listening to the album. And I didn't even, I wouldn't have known listening to the actual song itself, it was live, if not for the little, like, bit at the beginning. I was like, thank you all for coming with some applause in the background, (laughs) because it genuinely all does sound the, not the same in that sense, but it all sounds either like it is done live or like it is made to give off that vibe that you're listening to it in the moment. I was thinking mm-hmm. that as you were saying that, that I listened to one that was live unintentionally. I was well, I wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. Usually you can tell with artists like, oh, this is from a concert or this is live because it sounds way different and there's not as much going on in the background or the voice sounds different. Yeah. Not at all. When And I always felt like her, her music isn't as, um, it's not as like, it, I don't, it feels more complicated. It doesn't feel like your standard like verse chorus with a hook oh, yeah. kind of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's a more complicated structure as well. Well, she really is one thing I like I mean, in this album. You know, there's um, tiptoe, which is really just spoken word, the second mm-hmm. track, and then even the last track uh, coming up, which is beautiful. Uh, it's they're they're both more poems than songs. Yeah, and I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of her songs even kind of they get a lot closer to like you know, free verse, spoken word, like poetry, than necessarily song structure, which is really pleasant. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if that, I mean, who know, I, I, you might know the answer to this. I wonder if that was her um, style of, like her workflow. I wonder if she wrote poems and put them to music or if she, you know, mm-hmm. or if it was composed simultaneously because that, you know, some people sort of work that way. Mm-hmm. They write the poem and then the music follows. I don't know. I'm not I sure. Can't, I don't make music, so I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, like, it depends. Uh, 
you're more of a lyric or a, or a sound person, but I've always been more of a lyric person. And so that's one of the things that I really enjoy about Ani DeFranco is that the lyrics mm-hmm. are so rich. Like, they're so descriptive, the imagery that she invokes. And a lot of that comes from just, like, having that freedom to just continue with a point. It's not like everything has to rhyme or everything has to line up, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that is too, I have no idea, and people who make music could probably weigh in on that. Like, I do feel like the lyrics lead these songs and the music is made to support and fit Mm -hmm. the lyrics as opposed to vice versa. And sometimes you hear that, like a song that's got like a really catchy hook to it or something. But like, if you just looked at the lyrics written down, they're kind of, they're they're kind of meaningless. Like, they, you know, they're just sort of like, they're saying just one basic thing and that's it. And I wonder which way, I don't know. I, w- I wonder if that's two different ways of approaching it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, well, you know, the the kind of, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't make music myself. But I feel like that break from the structure that you're so used to in more produced music. It's funny, this, this uh, re-listening this album, like, now, so far removed from when I was first introduced to it, uh, I never really considered how punk it was. Like, mm-hmm. back then, there was such a strong line. It's like, oh, like, you know, power chord progression, punk rock is this thing. And then this is angry girl music. But if you look at, like, the, the kind of core values of punk rock, it's like, well, I mean, she's singing a lot about, like, the personal and the political. You know, there's a lot about, like, about, uh, I mean, classism and sexism is like it's this is the the even the structure itself there's something very punk rock about Ani DeFranco but was always kind of excluded from that category because I don't know it's a girl with a guitar instead of a boy mm-hmm. with a different kind of guitar which I just mm-hmm. thought was interesting in retrospect because I've always felt like my music was very different in some ways the tastes I had I'm like no they they're actually it's very similar she just wasn't put in that category I think I think that's very true. Um, I think that part of it is exactly what you said because it's a girl with a guitar, mm-hmm. and it's not. I mean, very pragmatically speaking, it's not as loud. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think you know. I think that's part of why. But I I do think the other part of it is that sometimes it's softer. Yeah. You know, which is fine and can still be punk. But I think that that for a lot, especially back then, it was like, well, no, if you're if you're ever being soft or quiet, it's not punk. Yeah. Well, and that that label of like, I mean, I, she even addresses it on the song, Not a Pretty Girl, that, you know, uh, I'm not an angry girl, but I feel like I have everyone fooled. Every time I say something they find hard to hear, they chalk it up to my anger and never their own fear. Like that, I don't know, a- angry political songs in like a like a punk rock band sense. It's like, oh, you're saying something. You have a message. But then when it's a, a woman, it's like, oh, you're just mad. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I do think it's interesting how looking, especially as I've gotten to listen to some of your all's music and you talk about like what genre it was considered or how it was regarded at the time. And then me listening to it now with no, no knowledge usually of the music itself, but also obviously no societal experience of living in that time when it first, you know, came out, um, how the societal like cultural conversation about usually women is usually what we're talking about changes um how music is defined Mm -hmm. because this listening to it to me was pretty punk this is a lot more 
punk than anything I listen to in my usual listening routine of music, you know, than Taylor Swift per se. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't have thought that it wouldn't have been thought of that way when it first came out because of everything else that was um, being published and made at the time and that sort of harsh distinction between what's allowed to be and what's not allowed to be and what women can make and what women can be and what they can't. It's very interesting looking back at it, not having that experience, but looking at it through, you know, 2022 eyes and ears. Well, and and, and not just for the artists, but like as fans. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we've talked about it before, but like if you wanted to call yourself like a fan of a certain kind of music or that you're, you know, this is what I'm into. This is what I dress in that sort of style or whatever. It was so clearly delineated mm-hmm. and like the we've talked about this too Couldn't like be a poser <laughs> exactly yeah you know the demands put upon you like prove it then yeah um so you had to sort of commit to a genre yeah and the genres were much more clearly defined i don't know i was sitting here thinking and part of this is just because i'm old and out of touch but like when i listen to music that is popular on the radio which is on that is not a common thing for me to do. No, it is not. No, I, I, there are so many ways I can just listen to music from the nineties. So I just do that. But, <laughs> um, God, that's what old people do. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to be the one to tell you this, Sid. Uh, we're old. Um, I know, I know. I realize that. Like, it's what, what our parents said. But, like, music now feels softer to me. <laughs> I listen to music that's popular today, and I feel like, that's nice. That's nice. Like, I don't mean in a mean way. I just mean, like, oh, it's all nice now. Yeah. Everybody's happy and chill and having fun. And I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I feel like we're on the, 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 the cusp of an emo resurgence that I don't know how to feel about. I'm just going to, you all, you all do what you're going to do, youngins. <laughs> Except, I don't know, I had a 14-year-old in my pre-show show me her costume for another show that's supposed to be like an evil descendant, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like an evil kid costume that she put together. And I said, you look exactly like someone that I don't think you're going to know who I'm talking about. And I kind of was joking, because, I mean, she's mm-hmm. not that much younger than me. And she said, who? And I said, you look like you're wearing an Avril Lavigne costume from, like, the complicated music video. Like, she had on, like, the cargo <laughs> vest and the plaid <laughs> skirt. With, like, uh, all she needed was a skinny tie, and it would have been perfect. And she was like, who? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no. That's so yeah, it's are. the emo resurgence, but without any of the previous knowledge of what I don't came. Know. Maybe maybe music is actually super. <laughs> maybe metal's back, and I don't know though. I mean, I, I mean that I will allow for that. Music could actually be really everything's back all at once. Hardcore, and I would have no idea. Well, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I just I just judge what I see. The the, the teens do it on on the TikToks. I'm like, oh, they're exactly. unknowingly bringing yeah. it back. <laughs> um. I want to talk more about, especially why you like this album so much, Tyre, or or Ani DeFranco in general. But before we do that, let's check the group message. I want to talk to you all about, I was going to say breakfast, but, you know, cereal can be an anytime food, especially when that cereal is Magic Spoon, because uh, Magic Spoon makes breakfast options that you can really feel good about like a whole meal that you can start your day with or as a treat later on uh, because they have zero grams of sugar in their cereals. Um, they have 13 to 14 grams of protein in each serving. So you're really getting uh, more of a complete meal, what you need, what your body needs to feel good and get going. Um, and it tastes great. 
They are gluten-free, they're grain-free, they're soy-free. So if you have certain dietary needs, these are almost certain to meet those. They have tons of great flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cookies and cream, maple waffle, blueberry muffin, cinnamon roll, honey nut, and you can build your own box where you can mix two of them together if you want. Um, they're delicious. We've all tried them. And again, uh, they're, it's good for breakfast, but also, you know, in this house, cereal is often a go-to dessert as well. And uh, this will be a dessert that you can treat yourself with and feel good about eating because you're getting some protein in there too and, and cutting back on your sugar which we never want to eat too much sugar. Um, and even more exciting, Magic Spoon just brought back their cereal bars. So if you're busy, if you're on the go, and you don't have time to sit down to a bowl of cereal, you can grab one of these and take it with you. Um, and it's delicious. Perfect for a midnight snack. So Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Magic Spoon, what should they do? Well, they should go to magicspoon.com buffering to grab a custom bundle of cereal. And be sure to use our promo code buffering at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of cereal at magicspoon.com buffering and use the code buffering to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. So, Tay, what do you think it was? You talked about how it felt like contraband. <laughs> was it just because it was sort of like from your friends sold to you as like shh this is this is gay music <laughs> I no i mean I, I say that you know that's definitely was i mean let's be real that was the stigma of the time it was scary to be o openly gay in high school when we were in high school mm -hmm. um, yes and there was and music was a code you're yeah. right like if you you could say i listen to this music as opposed to anything else. And people would go, hmm. Well, and that was very much the context of, do you listen to Donnie DeFranco? Like having like a girl in my art class ask me that. And be like, no, but I could. And having like, <laughs> listen to this and giving me the CD. You know? <laughs> I'd really like, like, feel like, yeah, like I knew, like she was one of the few like out lesbians in the schools. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm receiving a coded message. Mm -hmm. take this and be careful with it uh but you know i mean it's not like and there i do think that like there is a song on this there ani has lots of songs that address her bisexuality and there is one on this album that i think is very well i was gonna say it's kind of subtle about it i don't think it's that subtle it literally has a line about you need to do what i did and go meet a nice girl uh addressing mm -hmm. a boyfriend character so she's she does have a song that's very openly about it um but that's hardly what the album's about like I think it's just, it was more the appeal to me was that it just, it was, it was difficult. It was confrontational. You know, I never want to rate artistry and like some's better, some is better and some has less worth. But I do think that this is something that it feels just as much as it feels closer to like spoken word or poetry, it feels closer to art than content. And that mm -hmm. was... I don't know. I mean, that was a, not like a lot of the things that I heard at the time. Yeah. Like, I think no, if I, can... I understand and digest these messages, I will be better for it. Mm -hmm. I can definitely understand that. I, I And I do think it has that quality to it where, like, you feel like she's saying something important that you need to listen to. And I don't mean, like, that is exclusive to Ani DeFranco. Lots of music can do that. And certainly some of that music can be very poppy and produced and you know i'm mm -hmm. not saying that you can't do that with other forms of music but there is something about the way that 
the lyrics lead the music that makes you feel how important they are. Um, and it did. I will say it's interesting that Ani DeFranco was not like when I think about the people I hung out with listening to Ani DeFranco wasn't necessarily like it, like straight girls liked it too <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it did, it did fall into that sort of like, like Alanis Morissette kind of angry girl. What? But it was like, why did we throw people into this group? There was like, you could have tossed Ani DeFranco and Alanis Morissette and Sarah McLaughlin into the same <laughs> bucket at the time. And people would be like, yeah, look, angry girl music. And it's like, none of this is the same. Because they're all girls. That's why. That's and, why we put it in. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> and Jewel. Jewel would yeah. have gone in there too. That's what I was going to say. It's like, look at all these angry yeah. girls. And it's like, what? <laughs> when it, like, yeah. But, Jewel yodels. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they all have completely different, like, viewpoints. I mean, like, there's a lot of kind of. I don't know, uh, paint by number punk bands from like the 90s that all sang about the same things, right? I'm a loser. Girls don't like me. Like, I want to, uh, I don't know, like, I want a girl to like me. That was kind of it. And like, I think that's a all, song. I think you just quoted a song. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure you did. One, if not. But like, they all were given different identities. But like, this, these were very the, the four women you just named could not be more different in the kind of lyrics and stylings that they did they just were women that weren't trying to I mean I, I think that kind of is the, I think there's a bit of a tongue in cheek to like this album being not a pretty girl and even the song like it's that's the line but it's not just like oh I'm not a pretty girl I'm different I'm, I'm not like other girls it's not that vibe i think it's recognizing that vibe that these kind of women got at the time mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting how i was thinking about like so when i was when i was younger not my teenage years but younger than that the the girl and i'm using that sort of in quotes the girl music you know if if you were listening to women making music the women that i was listening to when i was younger than that were like Paula Abdul <laughs> and like don't get me wrong queen definitely definitely like the Debbie Gibson Tiffany era of music you know like mall music was definitely in there um, the style of dressing and like the way that you defined sort of femininity with those popular figures and like all through there is Mariah Carey right Mariah yeah. Carey who did like a bunch of different things and was super talented so I, I it's hard to put her in a box with it you know what i mean she's kind of her own thing but like <laughs> well i mean it's true like you would listen to mariah carey and it's just this whole other thing but uh it was it was such a different version of femininity that i started out with mm-hmm. and they were also all tossed into the same box which again if you think about those artists i just named they were doing very different things like not all i wouldn't say that i have like like I don't know that Debbie Debbie Gibson is still my love, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I would still listen to some Paul Abdul mm-hmm. any day of the week. And they were doing very different things, but again, we tossed them in the same box because they were girls, mm-hmm. they were singing, they might be kind of dancing too, and they all looked sort of like feminine and fun, and they're having a good time, and they might go to the mall, and they probably wore some denim and like had big hair, and like so they're all sort of yeah you know that's the girls. And then it was like, oh, now what are the girls doing? Well, now the girls are, they're kind of mad. And some of them are kind of sad. 
and their hair is way flatter than it used to be. <laughs> and they might wear these really long skirts sometimes and sit in coffee shops, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. That's how the girls are now. And there they are. And you go listen to those girls now. But it was. It was like those were my... But it was all presented as the same thing as opposed to like different artists artists doing different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. And there's sort of a, a sort of ranking or rivalry aspect to it. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like there was ever a conversation of like, like Prince or David Bowie. Like w- one of them's the, the, the winner. <laughs> Who is it? Like, oh, <laughs> both, both, please. Like, it's like, but like Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera one of them has to be better and the other one has to be the loser of I don't know the the one girl there could only be one women are like Highlanders <laughs> <I> girls <laughs> there, there can only be one girl making music at any given time in too any many specific girl. genre yes yes yeah uh, and girls can only do certain genres genres too like that's the other part of it as you mentioned like the idea of a girl being like a punk the leading punk artist was still like well i mean for a girl mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not saying i agree with that i just mean like i think that yeah the, especially when we were younger it was very much like that and, and i don't know if it's gotten better or if i'm just out of touch which it's it's likely it's the second one <laughs> so, i mean i'm this is why we transitioned our show and I'm no longer the voice of the younger generation. Um, I have no grasp of what I also, I think part of it is because I am not in that music scene per se and just haven't been. That's not usually the genre I keep track of. Um, but also I think music and I kind of was thinking about it when you're talking about like giving someone a CD and like this makes a statement about who you are and what you like and what you might be if you listen to this artist let me share this with you it used to be music used to be a lot more like personal and intimate when you could like share a physical cd with someone and there was a lot less of it and you couldn't just find it all the time and listen to it all the time there were occasions for listening to music because you either had to like play a cd or play the radio or i don't know go somewhere in public but you couldn't just like pull out your your phone and start playing music at all all times um there's just so much more stuff now all the time everywhere. It seems like people care less about what falls into what category mm-hmm. um, unless it concerns like, I don't know, what is it technically classified as for what awards it can win or something. Right. I don't know. Like what genre is this technically? So it, I know what it'll be nominated for at the Grammys. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Beyond that, it seems like you don't have to turn on a specific radio station that plays a certain genre to listen Mm -hmm. to music anymore so i think everything just kind of exists in one big mass of music and it's like find the find the voices you like and it might be this and it might be that it is interesting i look at charlie and cooper and of course they're still on the young end to be picking music you know what i mean they still like cuckoo kangaroo they do and they still and like (laughs) you know they're listening to a lot of musical musicals right now a lot of musical. Like, we spend a lot of time listening to musical, the musical, and mm-hmm. and honestly, into the woods now. And Rocky horror, Rocky horror, and then uh, Justin introduced Les Mis into there, so that was a weird. <laughs> oh, no, that was a weird little. In- <laughs> but that's punk. But- <laughs> I'm gonna leave that. I'm just gonna let that stand. Sure, yeah, I agree. But uh, the but like when I think about what they ask me to play in the car, um, other than musicals, in terms of. <laughs> 
female artists because they're ma- the the leading male artist they enjoy right now is Elton John. So they great. did ask me the other day if I'd ever heard of Elton John and Crocodile Rock. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yes, they're obsessed with Crocodile Rock. That's Charlie's Getting Ready song. This whenever I tell artist. her to yeah, whenever I tell her to go to her room and get dressed, she turns on Crocodile Rock to get dressed too. <laughs> so. But when they ask for female artists, the like the big three that I get requests for are Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Always, Lizzo is a has been a consistent favorite. JoJo Siwa, always there, and Beyonce. Those are their big three female artists. I would say right now <laughs> that they yeah. just go round and round asking, and then you know all artists throw Elton John in there. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what kids are into because that's what my kids are into. <laughs> I don't know if it's better or worse than like, well, I mean, it's better. I know it's better than um, the, we were just listening to the greatest showman soundtrack on loop for a while, which is great. But like, once you've heard it 50 times in a row, you're kind of like, I need, I love you, Hugh Jackman. I need a break. That's how your children have (laughs) unintentionally ruined so many things for me. It's not because I liked it the first, it's not because I hated it the first time. It's because I had to listen to it or watch it too many times. You hated it the 300th time. Yes. Like Descendants, the movie actually pretty good when you go back and watch it after not having had to have watched it like a dozen times but (laughs) when you had to watch it a thousand times or frozen or moana just i know i know well they did that with the they loved that uh the beyonce lemonade video where she's hitting things with a bat they both love that music video and we watched it over and over again and then we listened to the song over and over again and now i've heard that song maybe more than any other song in my life and they still request it and i'm like it's such a great song I don't want to listen to it again because you keep making me. And if you play it, they both will just start strutting around, hitting things yeah. with various like fake mm-hmm. baseball bats or sticks or something. Mm-hmm. Powerful. It's very good. <laughs> I don't know. Very good to watch. Anyway, uh, I will say when I was listening to Ani DeFranco, uh, Tay, Charlie came over and was standing there listening and went, what is this? Oh, <laughs> it was no. kind of like, like not dancing like feel you know like moving her head she like, was feeling it yeah what is this what's she talking about yeah <laughs> i was like all right here we go here's the next evolution <laughs> i feel like i feel like 32 flavors is a song that that y- your girls could get on board with mm-hmm. like that that was that was one of my favorites yeah yeah i love that song that was actually mm-hmm. the first song that i i ever listened to there was once once again one of these girls in my art class that had made an art piece based on thirty two flavors, and that led to the conversation that resulted in me getting the album. Um, yeah, so uh, I love that song. That that was definitely the one as I was listening to the album and thinking like, what songs did I listen to a lot? Because I I'll be honest, I never owned an Ani DeFranco album. Mm. I had her on numerous mixes with other artists. Uh, and then I listened to whole albums when, because Joe and I would ride together places and went on some road trips and stuff, and he would put that CD in periodically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, but I didn't have the album myself, and um, 32 Flavors is the one that stood out to me instantly as like, oh, yes, I, this was on a lot of my mixes. I listened to this song a lot. That was one of my favorites as well, listening to this. This was my first time listening to Ani DeFranco, knowingly listening to Ani DeFranco. <laughs> this happens a lot when I'm listening to y'all's music where it's like, oh, well, I've heard this song before. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this is who sang it, and I don't think I sought it out, but I've heard this before. Yeah. Um, 
this was my first time like seeking out her music and listening to it. Were there any that others that stood stood out to you? Um, let me look at my my Spotify. I mean, I liked Not a Pretty Girl. Yeah. Um, I like Thirty Two Flavors. Um, and Riley, you listened to some outside of that one album too, didn't you? Yes. So I listened to the album, then I went and Spotify has like the most popular, whatever, um, right there on the front for you to listen to. So I also also listened to um, Both Hands. Oh, Both Hands is great. I love Both yeah, Hands. And yeah. I really like that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was able to just kind of turn on the whole album and then continue it into some of the most popular. And it was just a very nice, like, I really enjoy listening to stuff. Sometimes I can turn on just like makes my brain feel <laughs> good for what's going on in the background so I can listen to what is being said. Mm-hmm. Like I like that that I agree with you of the sound over the lyrics. Like I usually listen to lyrics more. That's why I like musical theater music. Um, but I, I was able to really just listen to what was being said and just kind of have the rest be pretty mellow and um, good good vibes. Um, lots of thoughts, but also vibes. Not yeah. no thoughts, just vibes. I, 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 good. Oh, I was just gonna say outside of this album, Little Plastic Castle is one of my mm. yeah. favorite Ani DeFranco songs. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. The narrative of that too. Mm-hmm. Um Well that, I, it's funny how like things change over time because I definitely remember like especially like Not a Pretty Girl being very like, Oh, I really I feel this, like yeah, mm-hmm. like don't you know, don't try to rescue me. And then like when you come back to an album so much later and then it's like, Oh, I'm not there anymore. But like hours Hour Follows Hour is the song mm-hmm. that really struck me like now in my life, which is, it's probably one of the like, it's very low key. It's lovely to just listen to in the background, but then lyrically, it's just, it's very dense lyrics. And it's just this kind of like, sort of melancholy recognition of like, like, life is a lot and we mess things up. And I hope in the end, I was enough. Like, it's just very, I don't know, like it's, it's cool to come back to an album after so many years and realize you've changed so much that the songs that like really speak to you are just completely different. But that's really the magic of something that is this artful and this dense is that mm-hmm. there's always something different to come back to. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed listening to like sort of sitting down and listening to it in a way that uh, in all honesty, I don't think I ever did back then and really like thinking about it and paying attention to the lyrics outside of certain songs. And like I said, on mixes, it was, it was fun to do that. Um, and it, it was nice too, because Justin, for whatever reason has been just listening to Ani DeFranco for the last couple months. Oh <laughs> yeah. On his own, like just out of nowhere. Cause he, he was learning how to play uh, little plastic castle. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And he was, I could hear him downstairs playing it and he came upstairs later and I was like, were you playing Ani DeFranco? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I had that song stuck in my head and I just wanted to play it. And so he was playing it on guitar. And then like when I told him, like, that's what we're going to do on Still Buffering, he was like, awesome, and immediately put the music on. So <laughs> that's great. So it was not, I don't know why he was having a, a like this revival of, you know, interest in Ani DeFranco at the same time, but he mm-hmm. did. Well, and you know, you know, one of the other reasons that I wanted to pick it was, I mean, it is Pride Month. And you know, as I mentioned at the start, Ani DeFranco is, bisexual and like was so clearly quintessential to like queer awakenings and giving a voice to young queer people i mean and when we really needed it when we didn't when we're kind of bereft Mm -hmm. 
And it's, you know, during Pride Month, there's always the fun tradition of buy erasure that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's always the, yeah. uh, the oh, you're, you're, you're not quite gay enough. But I really, you know, you reflect on something, someone like Ani DeFranco, like, what, she's married to a man now. She's had relationships, you know, across the gender boundaries. Uh, the idea that somehow her work would suddenly stop meaning what it meant to me and count with others because she's in something that resembles a heterosexual relationship is so absurd. So, you know, it's just something to keep in mind that it's, it's all, all of the letters matter. They, they all contribute. There's not one that's, that's more important than the other. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how it could ever be a bad thing that there's more of us. <laughs> no, I think that <laughs> anyone that wants to join isn't on the opposition. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Taylor, thank you. Yeah, thank I, you, I think Taylor. this was an excellent choice for Pride Month and was very enjoyable for me personally. Yeah. Everybody go listen to Zamani Franco. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what's next? Well, speaking of excellent choices for Pride Month, <laughs> I think since I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus community, that means anything that speaks to me deeply, I also can claim as being acceptable for Pride Month. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I want to talk about um, a short-lived reality game show from ABC <laughs> That had one season in 2012 called Who Done It. so random. I love it. <laughs> and Where? all the episodes are free on YouTube. Okay, that's what I was saying. Um, Where can people find you Who actually, Done It? I think you can find it and like they'll ask you to pay for it, but there is someone who has uploaded the episodes for free <laughs> and they're just as good quality. Oh, we're, okay. So they're like very easy to watch. They're not hidden. They're it's just probably there. illegal, isn't it? Yeah, it's fine. It was on for one season a decade ago. I think that's fine. You're going to be a lawyer. Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm not I, yet. Is that how it works in the law? I think that's fine. I think yet. that's fine. <laughs> it um, seems fine. It seems fine. Riley's going to get all her crimes in before she's official. I got three well, more years. I, I'm not committing any crimes. I just want to get on the record as saying I will not commit any crimes to I, watch the show. I will it absolutely has, pay properly for the show. Each yes. episode has like tens of thousands of views on YouTube, and it's been up for like a few years. So, okay, I don't think they're itching to take it down. I don't think it's you know. Um, I I did I watch it back but, in the day, but I I I'm gonna have to rewatch it's it because it's been. I mean, long. it's a it's a reality show, so you don't need to watch every single episode. Every episode has the same exact structure, um, which maybe is part of its downfall. But just I I just. I just rewatched the whole thing and TikTok yeah. reintroduced me to it. I just need to talk about it. And I can't wait to hear how this um, helped you in your understanding of yourself as a bisexual woman. Of course. <laughs> yes. It really has helped me on my journey of self-discovery. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all. <laughs> thank you, listeners. Please listen to Ani DeFranco if somehow you haven't. Um, <laughs> um, thank you to Maximum Fun. You should go to MaximumFun.org. And uh, check out all the great shows there. You can email us at stillbuffering at maximumfun.org. You can tweet at us at stillbuff. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby, You Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And, and I am too. We are yeah. close enough. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I just use that excuse for anything and mess up. Yeah.
Uh-huh. Yeah. It's pride. Don't call us on it. It'll Challenge be homophobic. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I was 15 minutes late to work yesterday. I said, it's pride. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> hey, it's John Moe. Join me on Depression Mode for conversations on how mental health shapes our life. This week, David Sedaris with stories of his late father that he's finally willing to tell. I think there's a difference between, you know, a good person and a good character. Like, he was a good character, my boyfriend here. And my father was another one of those people. He was a really good character, but he, he, he wasn't a good person. Depression Mode with John Moe, wherever you get your podcasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.